Welcome to Where Wine Takes You, where we celebrate wine and we celebrate the people who make it and the stories that come from it and one of the top places you can experience it, Paso Robles Wine Country. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. I love when you continue to share this podcast with friends. And if you haven't yet, please rate us five stars. Take the time to write a review. It really does. I got to tell you, it makes my day when I see one of those reviews pop up there. It is just awesome. And subscribe to the podcast so we can continue sharing the love of Paso with your friends and family. Love this review. I read yesterday. Check it out. Titled Great Showcase for Paso from someone called Rap Check. We have visited Paso several times and belong to several Paso-based wine clubs. What Adam and Paso Wine Alliance have done is make all these winemakers, restaurateurs, etc. accessible. They feel relatable and down to earth. I know on our next visit, we'll be checking out some new venues all because of this podcast. And I love that. I love that you're a member in some of the Paso Wine Clubs and that you heard some uh, new folks on here that you can't wait to try next time you're here. Thank you so much, Rap Check, for taking the time to drop a line. And it was so cool. I got a, a text from the events and marketing manager over at Epic Estate Wines, Becky. She texted me. Someone just came into the tasting room because they heard you talk about us on the podcast. Now, the last time we had Jordan, the winemaker of Epic, it was many, many episodes ago. But here and there, you know, she will come up because I love her and I love their wine. And uh, I thought that was so cool. So it is working. We're spreading the love of Paso. So thank you so, so much. Now, one of the best parts of Paso and arguably the hub and where the heart beats is downtown Paso. We have a town square, a picturesque five-acre park, and it is surrounded by some of the best foods, best wines, best craft cocktails, best popular boutiques, art galleries, accommodations that you will find anywhere in San Luis Obispo County. Some of them have an old, rich history, like, say, the Paso Robles Inn. Some are brand-new additions to an ever-growing scene, say, like the Alchemist Garden. The bottom line is downtown Paso has something for everyone. And literally any time of year, it is fun, it is beautiful to just park your car, walk through the park, walk around downtown, and just take it in. Two of these gems are going to be featured on the show today. One restaurant and one winery, both next to each other. And if you're not in the know, you may walk the park and walk right past them. I'm talking about Indigenous Cellars and Jeffrey's Wine Country Barbecue. Now, despite their 12th Street address, these guys are just behind 12th Street in an alley that runs parallel. Once you make that connection, man, oh man, are you in for a treat? Just ask about Norma's Way Alley. Uh-huh. Jeffrey's food is just unreal. He's won about every food competition up here in Slow County and like some of them more than once. From our insanely popular Mac and Cheese Fest, which is what the Crush radio station puts on, and it's just as glorious as it sounds, I call all my chef friends, my wine, beer, spirit friends, and we hang barefoot in Avila Beach, listen to live music for a few hours while tasting gourmet versions of what is easily on top of the comfort food chain, Mac and Cheese. Now, Jeffrey's got a couple golden forks that I know of, to paella competitions, the ever-popular winemaker cook-off, and a lot more. People love Jeffrey's food, and he is not afraid to post up and prove it. We will talk about his self-defined wine country barbecue cuisine. I'm also really excited because I'm going to meet Ray Smith from Indigenous Cellars. I had him on the crush on the radio, on the phone once on the air, but I've yet to meet him. 
And I've just heard tons of great things about him. He's been in the area for a while, made lots of connections when he owned a bottling truck company. I can't wait to ask about that. And thus forged a ton of relationships really all over California. He has experience making wines from grapes all over the state. But what we're going to learn from him is what is so special about Paso that when he decided to set his flag down, he made sure it was downtown Paso. I feel lucky normally we get to bring you a real sense of familiarity with a lot of the guests that we have on here, but I can't wait to meet Ray with you and get to know him together. I show up downtown Paso and man, it is hot. We were going to kick it on Jeffrey's spacious patio, but we got to move it inside. We got to have that AC. So we set up shop in Ray's indigenous tasting room. As I arrive, Ray is helping a couple girls who are from out of town. He's super polite in letting me set up, but these two gals are really interested in his wines. They're asking a ton of questions. He gives them some great inside Paso advice for the rest of their stay, offers to even hold on to their wine till they go back to their room so it doesn't cook in the car. It's a... Uh, it's really quintessential Paso. So let's see where wine takes these two. Jeffrey Jeffrey from Jeffrey's Wine Country Barbecue and Ray Smith of Indigenous Cellars. So give me that mm-hmm sound. We'll get by. We pass on around till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Cheers. Getting all Jeffrey and indigenate up. This is so much fun. It's cool to hang with you, Jeffrey. So good to be with you, Bo. Oh, yeah. it's uh, great to. Uh, this is the first time we've met, man. I've right. had you on the station, the Crush Ray, Ray Smith, indigenate. We're sitting at Ray's bar, and you guys are you guys are neighbors. You guys yeah. are like Barney and Fred. Like you guys are just like <laughs> you must see each other a thousand times a day, right? At least, at least. That's pretty cool. But the more, the merrier. This is the this is the best uh, he's the best neighbor I could ask for. So you're so we're in the back alley. Uh, what you call this? Is it called the Normal Way Alley. Do they Norma's call? Way. Yeah. So if you think of like 12th Street, if you think of the square on the park, and you go behind 12th Street, there's an alley that runs parallel to 12th Street, and that's where you find Jeffrey's Wine Country Barbecue. You'll see Indigenae. Indigenae's got the roll up a wall. You got the whole patio, which. Um, I imagine it was great. I know, I mean, look, I feel for my restaurant friends because the last year has been crazy with the telling you can't do this and then waving this over your head and, oh, buy all these heaters. Oh, you can't use the heaters now. But you're outdoor. I mean, there was never been any, this was the thing when we caught up to the science, there was never a problem with outdoor dining and you have almost exclusively outdoor space, a lot of it. We were super fortunate. We never had to shut down, you know, except for the very beginning where uh, everybody shut down for takeout only uh, and we took all the tables and the chairs and we stacked them out of the way and yeah that was, that seemed like it was the end of times and it was like a year ago no. a year and a half ago but to be able to stay open have an outdoor courtyard where people could uh, come in and and socially distance and still hang out and uh, get to go food from us yeah uh we survived covid in in the best way that came out stronger yeah. ray what about you what was this time like for you uh it's unique like i said it was a lot more this is kind of formatted different. It was a lot more online sales. It wasn't as many people coming at first when they shut everything down. But as it warmed up, we um, kind of gravitated to being outside and 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 keeping people distant to where where we can get together. And and uh, it kind of forced me to 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 be able to to make some plans of being outside more often and and uh, getting tables kind of in a format to where it's more my deal now of being outside and, yeah. and yeah. tasting the wines. So. Yeah. 
It's like that. Take a drink every time you hear the word pivot, you know, or like, <laughs> right. or any kind of like little audible that you had to make during the the course of things. Now I've known Jeffrey for a long time. We are good friends. I can't wait to tell the story and have you tell your story of Jeffrey's Wine Country Barbecue because it feels so fun to know you and to love you and know you. I've seen you rise up since the beginning. You know what I mean? It's so exciting. So we're going to get to that. But um, because you are a newer friend, Ray, I've only interviewed you one time. It was on the air and it was during everything going on COVID, so I did not have the pleasure of meeting you. But I'm so curious as to where wine took you and uh, i know you've been here for many decades making wine right but indigene like the tasting room this is relatively new, new right new right 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 um i um also had a mobile wine bottling business and that was uh the leases are much more significant at, at, at that business so that took a lot more of my attention uh, so is that how you kind of made a lot of your relationships in? Uh, it's actually how I made all of my all relationships. of them, and that's interesting because you talk about a mobile like a bottling truck, right? So you some of these wineries, in fact, probably most of them don't have a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar line or even the space to have an old, their own bottling line, right? So they will rent or they will use these bottling trucks and what your business would do you'd show up with like a, a trailer right. and inside that trailer rather than holding a bunch of stuff it holds a bottling line right exactly and right. this must have been a real how, how big was your fleet um it was a uh, two fifty two foot trailers damn and they worked all over california you know i wow. tried to stay based in paso because there was a uh, a large amount of wineries in paso growing all yeah. the time but it was all over California. Is that a competitive industry? Are there a lot of other people doing uh, it? No, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Back then, no. No, I think um, I was the second guy after, after um, another bottling company, Castoro. Yeah. Because so. I know they, they do a bunch of those, don't they? Right. Yeah. Right, right. So you're meeting all these people because you're bottling their wines. Right. And at some point in this process you what get bit by the winemaking bug you're like damn if i got all the things to make a beautiful world-class grapes wine into a bottle certainly i can do it myself with my own wine right it was a combination of things i started out at a winery at one of the older wineries out here archiero mm -hmm. and um from there i got my knowledge about bottling and and transitioned straight into that which worked out great um and Somehow, I always ended up around crotchety old Italian guys, and, and, and I learned a ton about Sangioveses and those type of wines, but this one particular guy out in Carmel Valley took a liking to me, and he would even have tasks for me to do every year when I showed up for bottling. There was something that we needed to have um, mixed in a different type of barrel or a different type of yeast or... Uh, macro oxidation, all of the newest innovative things that he could come up with was always after I bottled, he'd give me some wine or give me a barrel and give me something. It was a task that I had to have done, and I would show up the next time bottling was scheduled with this wine, and in that, I was always tasting through his barrels too. And literally, I'm a microcosm of a lot of different guys out here who make wine all over California, and one thing's for sure you would think you would come in to set up the truck to get ready for bottling. As soon as you get there, the first thing they want to do is taste through the barrels. Yeah. Or taste through the wine. Yeah. So that... Well, I'm excited to get to your style, but it's interesting that in so many stories, and I know Jeffrey will, will echo this, so many cool stories out of Paso come from forging so many relationships. Exactly. So when you talk about, you know, how your style may be kind of formed from a lot of different people. Right, right, right. And, and I think it is. I look at the menu and... 
where a lot of people have focus and they specialize in things. I always say I approach winemaking from more of a schizophrenic position <laughs> where, where my menus are all over the place. Uh, I have a lot of experience in Sangioveses. I work with the top Pinot makers. Um, I worked uh, the, the area of Carmel Valley as probably the most eastern Bordeaux style of winemaking in Northern California. Uh, so I, I am a microcosm of a lot of styles. So. That's really cool. This rosé on the glass is really good. What's right. the what's the story behind this rosé? So this is actually fire fruit. This was from Carmel Valley, and uh, it um, unfortunately last year was another fire. This is the third fire that I've been through, and um, there was a guy out there who um, I didn't. I don't want to say he didn't have insurance, but he didn't have insurance. Yeah. And so I won't say who it was, but I was able to. Um, um, uh, help him out by he wasn't going to be able to get any money. He was going to take a total loss on the fruit. So I was able to get some fruit from him and get it immediately out of the vineyard straight to the press. We did it in a Cacard press, which is more of a champagne press, pressed super light at 120 gallons a ton, and um, made a great, great uh, wine. We did it just to make sure that we didn't get any smoke taint because smoke taint, a phenomenon that's usually around engulfed in fires. And this uh, actually is no smoke taint in there. So Wow. So it worked out great. Wow. Well, it made a beautiful wine. Yeah. Isn't that wild? This is, this is amazing. This is one of my favorite wines that Ray makes. We have it at the restaurant. Uh, we're fortunate enough to have him keg it for us. Oh, there you go. Nice. So it's, a, it's, a, it's become one of my favorite rosés and a... And I, I'd consider myself a rosé all day kind of guy, oh, especially for sure. this type of this type of weather. But uh, I'm always looking for the right color. I can tell if I'm going to like the rosé just from the bottle. And when I first saw this rosé, has this really light, pale pink color, uh, reminiscent of Provence, and one of my favorite. Yeah, rosés, it's got this know. cool like platinum salmon. Really, it's really pretty. Great That's, minerality. Uh huh. Yeah, Pinot Noir. 100% Pinot. Cool. Cluster. Yeah, you don't see that a lot in Paso wineries yeah. either. That's pretty cool. Good for you on this one. Yeah. What do you do with this for a bottle? Uh, $28 retail. Nice. Well, you know, Great you're... deal. Steel. Yeah, it's the over deal. And then you got it on cake, so you got it by the glass over there. We do it by the glass. We do it by the carafe. Uh, when Paso sees 100 and plus degree days. Oh, uh, man. Which is happening a lot more these days. Right. But uh, it, it's great. It's, but it's, you know, it's an all-weather it's an all weather kind of wine because, you know, for me and my palate, the the minerality, the the fruit that we get out of it is not necessarily your typical watermelon, strawberry kind of stuff. It's a it's a a little bit more muted, but you get acid, you get uh, the stone kind of minerality out yeah, of it. Yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, Really is. That's Jeffrey from Jeffrey's Wine Country Barbecue. We're here at Indigene. It feels so good in here. I mean, it's like a yeah. 107 outside right now. And inside, we're at the bar. We got some great food from Jeffrey's. And man, you got it nice and cool in here, Ray. This is where it's at. What kind of food did you bring, Jeffrey? What is all this? Brought a little array of, uh, of our sampler platter items. Uh, so check it out. You guys saw the, our ribs. This has become, uh, we didn't open the restaurant with ribs on the menu. But, but it took uh, one trip of you going to Austin, and you were changed man forever. I'll tell you what. <laughs> the people, give the people what they want, as right. they say in business. Uh, and we opened up with a, a limited barbecue menu, and the menu has grown uh, quite a bit. So these are our, uh, I call them pork belly ribs. They're uh, traditionally called St. Louis cut ribs, but it's, uh, it's different than the baby back. They're usually meatier. They take on great smoke flavor. Uh, they, we smoke them for about six hours. So I'm really proud of our ribs. This is uh, cooking ribs and cooking brisket are two of the hardest things in, in barbecue. And uh, my crew and I 
do a better than average job at uh, making making this food taste as good as it is. So we had the ribs with our house made barbecue sauce, house pickled onion and pickled cucumber, traditional accoutrement. The house made barbecue sauce. I mean, for someone who doesn't know Jeffrey's Ray, I mean, come on, oh. dude. Husband barbecue sauce is legit. Jeffrey's pressuring me. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got the coleslaw. We, we got, got the housemaid. Everything, everything you do over there, you're making. Yeah, scratch made across the board. You even brought the paella. Uh, yeah, we finished the paella. Good job. You finished that. It is so good. It is the best paella you will you'll you'll take in. It's it's so good. It's a it's become a signature dish. We're pretty That's stoked. crazy. Isn't that crazy? The paella has become a signature I, dish. I can't. Even but you made and you have this. You have and you call your food wine country barbecue. It's in the name of your place. Yeah. Jeffrey's Wine Country Barbecue. And Wine Country Barbecue, you know, I feel like sometimes you'll see food with wine. It may be cheese. It may be chocolate. It may be just certain things. But you've kind of twisted it in so many ways where you've elevated the culinary benchmark, but you've also continued to never abandon comfort. You know, like you, you have comfortable food, you have approachable food, but you are definitely eating high-end scratch food. 100%. Who's doing paella at a barbecue restaurant? Who's no. ever heard of that kind of stuff? Yeah. It's a... It come that's that's where wine country starts out with uh, you know I moved to town to start a personal chef business as a as a caterer to the wineries and was doing winery specific pairings and through charity competitions and and uh, events here and there then all of a sudden your uh, your style starts to kind of fine tune and, and my style kind of fine tuned and, and paella is one of my favorite examples of a wine country cuisine it's it can be done. In so many different styles, from seafood to, to rabbit and wild game to, to everything in the middle. And it's going to pair super well with almost anything that's in your glass. It's going to pair well with this uh, with this rosé, Pinot Noir rosé. Yeah. Uh, just wait till we get to raise uh, Petit Verdot. It's, it's unbelievable. And that has to do with the layers of flavor and the approach. I mean, my winemaker bros and, and sisters make a great, do a great job at blending flavors and uh, you know, using barrels to uh, to get different flavor profiles. The terroir in our community is 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 unlike any other place in in the world, as far as I'm concerned. So, different layers of flavor that the wines bring. I like to think that that's a, the approach with the food. A lot of chefs can allow their own vision to get in the way. Who knows? Maybe Ray can bounce off this, and maybe he's seen winemakers do this. But you can have your own vision, like get in the way of your ability to weigh what people want but what you, and it takes a talent and to almost be that malleable where you can you know do these charity things and go what I won three four five different mac and cheese fests I'm gonna put mac and cheese on my menu do it just the way I won this and make that a staple or what paella I mean I won you know a few paella competitions up here let's make paella a staple on the menu and you're it's almost kind of like putting your head to the ground your finger on the pulse of what people want and like and have tasted and uh, being able to like sculpt your identity based on that yeah i i completely agree it for me it comes back to a a quote from the illustrious chef thomas keller you're familiar with french laundry operate i mean he's the greatest chef of our generation mm-hmm. and uh, i'm going to paraphrase the quote but it's stu- it has always stuck with me that there's no such thing as perfect food only the idea of it and the closest thing you can ever get to perfect food is making people happy and the more people that you're able to make happy that that's that's what perfect food is. Every yeah. every day, uh, you can create perfect food uh, and making people happy, having this wow factor on their face. Uh, I mean, I think that's what the artisans in our community have a lot in, in common. We uh, we stay true to our craft and our heart. It's it's we're passionate about it. But there's nothing like seeing your customer, your client, your friends, your family's face when they take a bite or take a drink of something that you put your 
whole heart and soul into and uh and and we as the craftsmen love it and when we see how much it's appreciated by people that's what you know that's that's what sets it off for me that's what makes yeah. me keep waking up every morning to to do this and and ray and i both know especially getting through covid and and being uh, tucked away here in the alley uh, this is everything we do is an act of of love for what we do and wanting others to uh, enjoy it as well. Does that translate right to the winemaking as far as like, you know, being able to kind of see what, you know, obviously people like of what you do mixed with your talents, mixed with your own vision. I mean, somebody told me, I think it was Matt Trevis in last episode, you know, about making wine for other people. It's like, you can't, we can't wake, make wine for other people because if something happens and my wine doesn't sell, I got to drink it. So I got to make what I like. How, does that, what we're talking about this dynamic in, in the world of food, does that translate into wine too, you think, Ray? For sure, for sure. I mean, it's a fine line. You know, you have to have focus of your style or how you're styling the wines, but then also to be able to to um, be, be, be able not to alienate a certain type of person or a certain, uh, I don't want to alienate one palate, you know. I want to be able to make wines in my style with my vision, but also be able to approach them in a way where everybody will be able to understand. I want to be able to talk to everybody when it comes to that, so... Winemaking is the same way. Um, we can get super critical about wines and make wines just in our vision, but we have a big accumulated area of people here where these winemakers all hold each other at a high rate. And, you know, we make those wines for, for, for them, I guess. And, and, and those are the guys that we talk to, and we sit down and taste through those wines with them. But when it comes to the masses, that there's a, a general aspect, I think, that you need to stay in where – it's realistic where people are going to appreciate the wines that, that aren't day-to-day wine tasters and drinkers who can't decipher what part of the palate that they're getting, but you still want to be able to make something that they like. So, yeah, I think. One thing about Indigenate is the, um, the logo, the label. It's very provocative. I really like it. It, it. it definitely creates conversation. I'm always looking back at it. And it's almost like when you hear a really cool song that you like, and by now you know all the lyrics, and now you're trying to like interpret it. What's right. it mean to you? What does the songwriter want me to get out of it? Right. Um, and I'm dying to know from your perspective, what's the significance of the logo, and what are you hoping that uh, you know, I, Jeffrey, those two women that you just helped here at the Tasting Room that are visiting from out of town, what are we uh, supposed to interpret from the label? The labels, uh, that's a unique perspective. Um, going back to being a bottler, um, you, with a, a mobile bottling truck, you could literally leave Sunday and come home on Friday. And, <laughs> and that's great for making money, but it's not so great for relationships and especially families, yeah. you know, because you're out of town a lot. And, and in 2008, when we started the winery, Tough year to start on anything, huh? Right, right, right. Good for you, and man. We came with a label that that um, we thought was was our vision, which was balance and neutrality. You, you know, kind of uh, the the this label right here, and it's still with the white lines showing people dancing, representing balance and the neutrality. You can't mm-hmm. really tell who's which one's the man and which one's the woman. Right, and um, it's beautiful. And, and but at that time, with the wine starting to take off. You know, we, I went from leaving Sunday and coming home Friday to leaving Sunday, getting finished Friday, and having time to work on the wines Friday night and Saturday. So literally coming home Saturday. And at that time, I had a four-year-old daughter, too, yeah. which required a lot of time and was always lobbying for me to get home Wednesday. 
Yeah, I want to see you, Daddy. Tuesday, yeah. Sure. So she's putting in her bid to get me home Wednesday, and I'm explaining to her that now that we have the winery, it's usually Friday, but it could be some deep Saturday nights before I come home just to change and then get right back out in the streets. And she sits down upset in the middle of the floor and says, you know, all you really think about is grapes and wine. That's all that's in your head. Ooh. And we wrote it out in a crayon. And this is actually a digital picture of the crayon picture that uh, we wrote out when she was four years old. So, wow, no yeah, way. Yeah, and that's what I made into the label. Now, describe it. It looks like... Uh, it's, uh, you can't really tell if it's a man or a woman. Right. It's kind of futuristic. It has the high clavicle. You can't really decipher right. whether it's... It's, uh, it's a picture of a figure that's holding their face in their hand, almost like they took their face off yeah. and there's grapes inside of it. And that's what I sat down and uh, kind of interpreted between me and my kid and uh, that got me out of there that Sunday night, and, and um, I just had that picture for a long time. A buddy of mine that does digital art made that picture out of it, and that interpretation we use as the label. And I like it, too, because it obviously does have a very specific meaning, and right. when you let us in right. and hear that specific meaning, it's super heavy right. and really cool and really real. But again, to let's say I give this, you know, a bottle of this to someone to, you know, I'm going to visit someone in LA, you know, they're not going to be able to have that conversation with you right then. They get to interpret their own right, exactly. thing and like piece it together. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, you know, Petit Verdot, not one that you see a lot as a single bottle. It's uh, normally blended. It's got a very dark color. Right. I mean, you're never going to read through Petit Verdot. Sometimes it looks straight like black. Right. Um, why did you do a single bottle varietal of it? Talk about this wine because obviously it's very special. Well, we have a blend that um, one of the first wines I made called the Philanthropist. And it's usually in the 60 to 70% uh, cap with Petite Syrah for flesh and then Petite Verdot for a chalky, sprinkly tannin finish. And um, so I've been making, I've had experience making these Petite Verdots every year just to be able to put it in a blend. And this year, these wines were made exclusively for the wine club. I've never put Petite Verdot in the bottle. Uh, so I got it this year exclusively for the wine club to uh, be able to have a focus of what my interpretation is of how we put this philanthropist blend together. They have the Petit Verdot, the Cabernet, and the Petit Syrah. And um, everybody's tasting it and everybody's loving it. And, yeah, so and it's, so, a wow, it's a wow right. kind of wine. Yeah. And it's not one that you associate with a wow wine because you don't normally see a single bottle of Petit right. Verdot. So it's like when you're like, oh, this one. And even when you're looking at the back of a Bordeaux blend that's got all five, you know, Petit Verdot sometimes like the one or two percent. Two, three percent. S- yeah. So the, the Malbecs, the Petit Verdots, they don't always get, you know, the love of, say, the Cab, the Merlots, the Cab right. Francs. So uh, this is really cool. And this is what another so such a special part about Paso is you'll find someone with a passion like Ray's like, no, man, this, right. there's something here. We're going to bottle this and we're going to let people enjoy this just right. like this. Exactly. Yeah. You know, because we haven't had the chance to hang out. I don't know you as well as I know Jeffrey. I was reading up a lot uh-huh. on you before the podcast. I really wanted to have a lot of And we talked one time before. And one of the things I was reading about you was um, this article that was talking about you being an elite black winemaker during this black renaissance. Right. I kind of want you to talk about weighing that. And we're having conversations now about equality that are, are long overdue. But, but talking about that, walking that line of okay, this is my role here, but also like I'm, I'm a great winemaker, regardless right. of the color of my skin. But there are these conversations that we're having right now. Talk about that. Right, I, I get that. And that would probably be a great concept in Monterey or Napa. But Paso, there's a ton of wine, really good winemakers right behind you. 
and they're waiting to walk right up your back. I mean, there's people waiting for their opportunity. Mm-hmm. So you have to focus on wine here if you're a winemaker. You know, this is not a, a black winemaker or a, a fast winemaker or anything like that. These Woman winemaker. Right, right, exactly. Right. We've had those conversations, sure. A ton of great wines out here, and you need to be at the top of your game in order to still be even accepted in this area. From my perspective, I just want some black people to be able to look and say, hey, this is possible. You know, these, they have guys out here. This is not a, a guru thing that's past what we're capable of doing. But as far as, as a black winemaker, not in Paso. I mean, you, I wouldn't have got two or three extra points just because I was black. No, not here. Yeah, right. You, you I was having this conversation with MJ, who does the Black Wine Guy podcast. Right. And he came out to visit. Right. And he was saying the same thing. I, I thought it was really interesting. He's yeah. kind of echoing a lot of what you're saying right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, these guys are innovative. Yeah. I, I learn something every week. Yeah, it's still, and I've been in the game for years. I learned something every week. Do you still have a lot of these guys that you were that you met in the bottling truck days that you'll still right. call up, like, "Hey, I got this stuck for him, and I got this or something." All whatever. the time, all the time. That's so cool. All the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I literally learned more about native fermentations than I have in my lifetime of winemaking. Just last week, talking yeah. to a guy out here. So there's always enough to learn. There's what do you think about the way Paso's been? I mean, because you've been here for a couple of decades plus. Right. I mean, it has changed just in the last like 10 right. years. Shoot, five years. I mean, it is really exciting to see what's going on in Paso. I think it's more upward mobile than it's been in a long time. Yeah. And I think it's a couple of scenarios that happened that made it that way. But all in all, Paso's, you know, a ton of different small microclimates that are capable of making great wines. You put that together with some great artists that either have came from here or are drawn to here to be able to be at the top of their competition. And it's just a great scenario. It's just an area that had to grow because there was no other way but up in this area. I think it's really cool because as I'm getting set up to record this podcast with you, meanwhile, these two girls who are out of town, uh-huh. they get to set up shop at the bar. And who are they talking to? They're talking to the owner. Right. They're talking to the winemaker. And you have all the time in the world for them. I mean, I think that's really cool that people get that here. Yeah, yeah. And it's been like that for years. That was part of the draw for Paso Robles. But, um, you, you know... In a lot of ways, the way that I'm going to interpret everything that I'm trying to say is going to be through that bottle. And the only chance that I have is, is for you to taste it and you to understand it. So, yeah. So, for sure. You know, it's so, Jeffrey, it's so interesting this relationship between the wineries and the restaurants because both have kind of helped the other in elevating the game and we start seeing some of these restaurants come up whether they're super fine dining whether they're you know approachable high-end wine country barbecue the more that these places like yours sprout up the more winery places that sprout up like indigenous i mean you're seeing just the whole elevation of a game and of an area that's a community that we have i mean it's, it's a cliche but it's a cliche for a reason that the everybody around here Working with each other, excited for each other's uh, accomplishments. I mean, I, I think about going back to when we all first met. We all, I met you two fellas probably within a week or two of each other. That's a trip, uh, huh? Back yeah. Oh wait, <laughs> you know, uh, Raymond had started Indigenae right around the same time. I had uh, started working, running a wine bar called Vinoteca, that uh, has a wonderful place in in Paso Robles history. I started working there part time when I moved here in '03. I mean, different owners, but it was the old yes, Vinoteca days. Yes. I mean, I met totally. my wife there. Uh, I met uh, a lot of I, I, a lot of relationships were formed, and not just uh, for me, but I know for, you know from Raymond, from you as, as well. So that was at a time when uh, 
you know, like like Ray said, upward mobility. There's a there's a lot of a uh, lot going on. That's a great way to put it, by the way, Ray. And it started out at a time, and then we had this economic crisis. But uh, if you really look back at some of these folks uh, coming in, I, th- I think of uh, Nita and Kunal over at LXV, and they're mm-hmm. right around the corner from us. They they kind of got into town at about that time, and uh, even some of the older wineries that had been around for a while had started working on some some rebranding. So there was this great renaissance at a time that the economic crisis was going on. So it, uh, it almost made, there was a couple of years where Paso wasn't getting the tourism, but I think that tightened us up as a community. And, and for me as a, as a chef and an aspiring business owner and in this community and going out to these wineries and getting inspired by and these guys talking to the, the men and women making the wine and the men and women selling the wine, uh, it's, it, it all, we all just got really close. And now, we're all any anytime somebody is successful, anytime anybody's getting national or, or global uh, press or attention in any kind of way, we are all able to to celebrate that because it's a it's a relatively small community. Yeah, you have a lot of visitors there. I'm I'm guessing we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, probably got good local setup. People coming for lunch and things like that. But then also a ton of people visiting. I mean, here we are again, being in the alley. This you know, both Ray and I kind of had this. Uh, you know, we ho- we hope we're going to be busy. We, we're we're proud of our product, and uh, we know we have a fan base. But uh, this great opportunity to open up in the uh, in the alley came about. We just kind of opened and and hope. And actually, I just realized it. But uh, since we're doing the podcast today, we are really celebrating our three year anniversary at Jeffrey's. Uh, Is that right? This this weekend, three years ago, almost to the day. That we got this thing. What going. a ride for you, huh? It's been three years of. Uh, I mean, because I mean, if you know Jeffrey's situation, like obviously came here to do the catering, and Jeffrey's catering was born, creating this wine country barbecue feel, and really taking this elevated food that was indeed approachable. It was kind of like the same thing that I was trying to do with the wine show, and that Jeremy and I were doing with the cork dorks, right. and what we do want to do with this podcast, and that is talk about all you crazy geniuses that are so good at making world class stuff, but bring it in an approachable way. And so you're at Vinoteca. That's the first time I met you, and then you're doing your stuff out of Grey Wolf and you had your, your window there and that became super popular. You're winning contests all over the place. And then what was it? Was it just opportunity? Was it a little bit of you and your wife being crazy where you're like, well, let's get our own brick and mortar. Let's have our own restaurant. Yeah, all, all the above. For sure. <laughs> uh, a lot of this, crazy. This wasn't like, this was a parking lot. This right was here. an empty, this was an empty parking lot. Yeah. Uh, in our Vinoteca days, uh, you know, we'd take out the trash to the dumpster that's a, uh, with, you know, you could throw a stone from it from here. I know. I so know. It was, a, it was a tiny little forgotten parking lot and from the Vinoteca days. And then, then uh, when, that, when that business uh, was sold and, and I went off to do other things from being a personal chef, working with private wineries, uh, private clients coming into town, wanting to have a wine country experience and doing it out of my house and then doing it out of Grey Wolf for, uh, for those few years. Yeah, the, the growth was great and we've had nothing but support and uh, you know the the kudos that we get from from the community because every I know how hard everybody works in this community and, and they know how hard I work. You, you can't be successful in business, you know, or anything you're doing without especially after hard. last year. Oh my gosh, you got to hustle. Be able to, and and here we are talking about all of us kind of uh, starting our businesses in 08. So we kind of we started our businesses. You started your brand in economic crisis sure. and we survive that economic crisis and then we get 10 years into it and every, the ball's rolling and we're seeing progress and all of a sudden this uh, stone yeah. pronged virus gets thrown in our face right in the like, spokes the yeah exactly but to be able to uh, you know come come through it is uh, yeah I'm, I'm just I'm proud of our community did I'm either of you question if your brand would exist on the other side of it 
Was there any sleepless nights like that where you actually had to think that? Or no, were you- I, no I, I, don't, I wouldn't say. I, I think you, both of us had, uh, had enough of a following. And, you know, yeah, like you say, the, the key word is pivot, but it's yeah. adaptation. And uh, it's, yeah, I don't so think. You didn't know what to expect, but you knew that <laughs> right, yeah. I'm going to be standing at the right. end of this. Right. Yeah, right. it's just, just a matter of um, how are we, are we going to adjust? What are we going to do to be able to adjust? And uh, for the wine industry, the online sales. Yes, it has been huge, and then for us, uh, with our style being coming from a catering background, being able to provide comfort food, uh, you know, that's the two things that people wanted most during that. Didn't pandemic. you learn during comfort COVID? Nobody knew how to effing cook. Like all <laughs> yeah. we got, we got so good at taking takeout out. Like everyone forgot how to freaking cook. Yeah, that's yeah. so funny. We are so sad. It kept us going. Though, so good uh, for you. Keep, I'm glad because you it. needed it. it the restaurants so- just. Oh, I felt my heart went out to restaurants, and we lost a third of them in this yeah. state. One third, poof, are gone, and that's yeah. That I, think it, I think it's sad, and I, I I love the fact, and I appreciate the fact that uh, we have gotten as an industry so much attention. Uh, but as as I think most folks know, it, it's a really tough industry to go through. So the ones that made it and survived uh, were the ones that had the heart and soul from the owners to the managers to to the staff that hey, this is. This is what it's the survival mentality. It's not. It's not a not quite a sense of desperation, but you can smell desperation. It becomes sure we are going to survive. There is no other option. This is what we have to do. And there was there was a definitely you know to see that that many restaurants had closed. But it's a tough it's a tough business, man. They say one in you know one in three or whatever the number is these days yeah. uh, closes often. But to have a sense of community to really put yourself out there. I mean, we started doing these our hashtag paella Sunday. Uh, kind of with family uh, meals yeah, exactly. or whatever, sure. Whatever, whatever we got to do uh, when when everybody's hurting and feeling sad and depressed, and yeah, they they want a, a glass of something delicious in their hand and, and fill me up with some mac and cheese and some ribs and yeah, the fine dining restaurants and that's my that's a uh, my passion as far as uh, you know barbecue and what we do here is is my business and I'm very passionate about. But my extracurricular activities are going to a fine restaurants and it's the fine dining industry that specifically had the toughest time it's uh, how do you how do you sell wine and an experience at some of these white tablecloths you, you can't when there's no dining in there no so the wineries being able to sell online and and our style the barbecue restaurants or the restaurants that uh, have more of a comfort food concept and uh, the community can rally behind it they're the ones that were able to make it through and i think we all got stronger and now here we are coming out of it and you know the mask mandate has uh, all all but gone away and and we're on a trajectory that is going to be uh, everybody's going to have to hold on because the biggest issue that we're all running into is how do we prepare for the onslaught of uh, oh people are coming to pass coming in and they've oh, already man. They, yeah. they're here they're coming well even during the times when a lot of people weren't going anywhere and they weren't getting on planes they were driving from San Francisco south they were driving yeah. from Los Angeles north and they were coming to Paso yeah you yeah know. it we've we've seen uh, we also had better a lot better numbers than all the counties around us as a smaller community <coughs> and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know we've we've been on it but you know, for the to see the LA clientele that's been coming up and and the valley clientele has been coming up and then we've been getting a lot of the north uh, the, the northern california crew yeah kind of kind of since those fires uh the, the napa sure. fires that uh, devastated that region it was heartbreaking to see what they went through uh but if there was a silver lining in the wine industry it was helping uh put paso a little bit more uh on on their radar because yeah. we were getting a lot of folks that were coming down here so now you know, when we first started this thing, uh, these businesses in, in you know the late mid two thousands or so. Now it, it's not a secret anymore. 
Uh, if you don't know what Paso is, you're not drinking wine. Yeah, you're know? not. <laughs> right. you, you, That's you, such a great point. So now That's they're, they're coming point. in, and now like every other region in the in the country, we are all suffering from a lack of staffing. So now, I know. Now, well, you get paid more to stay at home. <laughs> right? That's what they're saying. <laughs> Unfortunately, it, it's yeah. Hurting, it's, it's hurting the fact that we have so many people wanting to, you know, how many people want to get into to Raymond's place. Yeah. And I don't think he's quite reservation only, but uh, tell you what, any given Saturday night, you... It's packed. We're packed. We have lines out the door. That's so cool. Uh, he's got you know lines of people coming in. So it's such a great feeling to know that people are are into us. They've discovered us. They want to come out. They want to support us. They want to experience what we're offering. But you got to bear with us because we we don't quite have the staff set yeah. up to be able to to take care of this. And I think that's the the biggest issue that we're all gonna as a community run into. So we're you know trying to talk with. Uh, I'm on the board of the. Pastor was Main Street Association here with Norma. And, yeah, for sure. Uh, we're trying to get some, some job fairs going, trying to get the word out to uh, people in our community that if there was ever a time that you wanted to uh, get into the hospitality business and uh, learn the, the art of winemaking or the, the art of selling wine, and, and same thing for us on the restaurant side, the, the art of barbecue. Uh, I was just reading this article, service. Wine Business Monthly. There's no better time to get into the wine business in a lot of different facets than right now. That's it. That's it. It's a... The... the Potential employee has their pick of wherever, and that's that hasn't been like that uh, since oh, wow. I've been in business. Yeah, yeah I don't even sure. remember the last time where it is really a an employee's market. If you come in to any business with a a decent resume and a and a good attitude. Uh, everybody's looking start to negotiating you. like yeah. Jeffrey's interviewing me I'm going to be like yeah but I want a paella every, I want a paella a week that's right <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be in my contract it's such a cool growth because you think of like those uh, videos where they'll show like the way something was like in the 50s or 60s and then it kind of like dissolved into right. the way it is now and it's always like from some you know horse-drawn carriage outside to like some bustling you know mini mall or whatever but again if you were to take a bird's eye of this area and see this just empty parking lot that was always frustrating because it always said no parking so you couldn't even park in it yeah. A lot of times it was always so frustrating. But then to like dissolve into today and see your roll-up thing open and your bar outside, your umbrellas with the red barrels and then Jeffrey's big patio and you're serving this and that. I mean, it's just so exciting because there's a whole new arm and a whole new extension of the body of Paso that was grown just in the last several years here. That's right. That's right. And if you get on the Google, I think there's still a pictures of us uh, on, our, on our Google site of what our address looks like from just a, an empty parking lot with a couple dumpsters and a, yeah. and a, a couple undesirables doing something that I don't know about. <laughs> People yeah, Google yeah, image, yeah. They, they Google satellite image where you're running like, you sure you want to go to this wine country barbecue place? <laughs> like, I think it's in the back alley. That's so funny. To be in, uh, in this back alley and, uh, you know, I've got to give it to uh, the guys at 1122. They, they kind of were the first, even just a couple years you know, prior to starting some their speakeasy, uh, in I mean Railroad Street's not exactly an alley, but Norma's Way is not acknowledged on uh, any no. of the, on any of the maps. Uh, so our address, uh, both Ray and I's, is either eight nineteen or eight fifteen Twelfth Street. So I can't tell you how many folks that we have going up to uh, the general uh, store, the, the general store, the salon, uh, the where uh, Julie Hammer's where, uh, Hammer Salon and stuff. And then uh, oh, you got to walk around the corner. But uh, I mean, we're in the heart of Paso, and I would say uh, that the park has always been the the heart of paso and here we are half a block off the park so off cool. the beaten path you can't really drive by us no uh, and all you got to do is take two sips of, of some of raymond's wines and, and you oh i'm a fan man Insta fan. <clears throat> what are some of your favorite parts ray about paso specifically from why you decided to 
you know, stake your claim here? And then also what you feel is exciting about the way it's evolving. Paso's a, such a small town. You will know every fireman. You will literally yeah. know every policeman. You will know the PG&E guys. You, I mean, it's not far-fetched to have these guys at your house having beers, you know, so... This is a small community, and this is much more of my style. The wine business has always been, in Paso, always been where if you had a problem that was going to, to affect you and your business and your bottom line, the competition next door is going to be the first person to help you. They'll be the first person to find out, and these guys are going to team up, and they're going to make it work for you to the best of their I've never seen anything it's like crazy, this before in my it's life. It's true. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. You, it's you true. Get help. There is no competition here. You, know, you get help. You get advice. You get the help that you need from the guys that are next door, and I've never seen that anywhere in any kind of business. Yeah. So I... I wanted to belong into something like this. I wanted to be able to stake my claim in something like this. And at this point, I think Paso is just upward mobile, but it still has that community. It still has that feel. It still has that, that small time, beautiful, everybody literally wants to know how you're doing feel. You know, it's no place like this. What's your favorite thing to order at Jeffrey's? Oh, my man, it's probably the mac and cheese with brisket. Oh. I, I love everything. The ribs are great. I know. Yeah. 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 I really don't have a favorite. I eat everything there uh-huh. and, and a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. What about you? What's your favorite wine of Ray's, Jeffrey? Jeffrey, Jeffrey, my man. Uh, well, I guess a, uh, being a, a, a fan of, of really good rosé, I think Ray's making some of the best rosé that's, that's being released right now. Uh, but then this Petit Verdot, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these are these are. Wines, the you know, a lot, a lot of people making different kinds of rosé. We get hit up on the on the daily, on the weekly. Uh, can you feature our rosé? We'd love to have your rosé in there. And uh, I, as much as I think there's a lot of great wine being made in Paso, I'm a I'm a bit of a critic when it comes to rosé. It's got to be in a very specific style for me to to, to really want to feature it. I asked this to Debbie Thomas of Thomas Hill Organics, and I thought you know, and to Carol McDonald from you know Il Cortile and La Cosecha. You know, when you are so entrenched in the wine business as a restaurateur, as you have been, you know, ever since you came here, also you meet a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, and it's like I'm sure there are a ton of wineries that are either just like you know bros with you, they know you. Or, but they want. They know a lot of people eat there, and a lot of people yeah. visit, and they want you, they want you to put their wine on your list. How do you play nice and try and give everyone a chance? It's a fun, humbling, difficult, fantastic part of, of what I do. But uh, you know, we're we're a mom and pop operation. Uh, you know, just like everybody you mentioned. Everybody you mentioned. These are uh, husband and wife, or uh, you know, sole proprietor. You know, running their business, and in, in my case. I am the chef and the sommelier of this, of this business, and, and my wife uh, is kind of a, a general manager role and, and oversees our, our front of the house and is our bookkeeper and kind of runs the business for sure. Thank God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you can't leave it to this uh, half-drunk chef. Right. To to do it. But the, uh, when, when they come in, I, I also like to believe, and I, whether it's true or not, I have to believe this, that everybody gets it and understands, and we rotate through our menu as, as often as I can, considering... A lot of other restaurant businesses have a dedicated sommelier. Well, well, I'm, I'm the pit master and the chef owner and, and the sommelier. So when it comes to picking the wines, 
I, you know, the favoritism, I, I don't know if there is such a thing, but when, when my friends in the wine industry help me by saying, you got to try it, whether you're a distributor or whether you're a sole proprietor, uh, you know, winery. And, uh, you know, I, I can, I gotta tell you, especially when it comes to raised wines or, uh, or a Diablo Paso, uh, or over here at Seashell, these are three wineries that, uh, are making great wines. They're all within a stone's throw. I could easily say, you know what, I don't need to bring these wines in. You could literally walk over there and taste those wines. And we have a complimentary corkage program. If you bring in a wine from any of our downtown wineries, it's complimentary corkage. It's a modest 10 bucks if you bring it in from uh, you know, 46 East or West. But if, so we support our downtown wineries. I don't need to carry these guys' wines. But when I taste these wines... You're like, I want it with my I'm food. Like, it has to... Yeah, yeah. This, this, is, this is fantastic. So the winery, you know, we use the term partners, but you know, the, the friends that we have, we have some wines... Uh, that are distributed from uh, from some of our distributor friends, and then we have some wines that are right next door, and it's going to come down to what's going to taste great with the food, what's going to you know what's the vibe, what's the energy of a. Uh of the the winery the the winemaker it, that has a lot to do with it as well it, sure it has to do with um are, do you get it are we on the same page yes it's not a, we're not a white tablecloth kind of kind of place we're a walk up to the counter place your order we're bringing you the food we're uh it's you know high level food but it's a very casual atmosphere right and some wineries uh maybe want to be on more of a you know if if it's going to be you know, a two hundred dollar bottle of wine that might be not be our our place but one of my yeah. favorite things in the world is seeing a $150 bottle of uh, Lenny Colotto or uh, for real yes you know, and we'll bring in high end wines like that because going back to what we were saying earlier with the winemakers it's the same kind of thing if, if they make wine in a, somebody else's style and it's not their style and they don't like it and they don't sell it they're stuck to drink with it right <laughs> one of the best best things about being a chef restaurateur is when it comes to buying our wine I buy wines that I like yeah if it doesn't sell and you're okay I'm with gonna, it <laughs> I'm drink. and there's wines that we've bought that uh, yeah they'll get on the list one of these days yeah 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 but uh, you if know, you don't drink it all yeah I'm working on <laughs> managing that right let me ask you um, that's uh, Jeffrey Jeffrey Jeffrey's Wine Country Bar Barbecue. Ray, how can someone taste your wines, learn more about you? And uh, I, I just want someone listening here to say, my next trip to Paso, listening to Ray and Jeffrey, I got to come try this dude's wines because they're so good. Yeah, uh, it's online, indigenesellers.com. It has a reservation app on there. You could do reservations. Uh, Sundays, we just do walk-ins. It's right downtown in the alley. Like I said, it's a great place, family vibe. A ton of people meet each other here. You know, every time people are here tasting wines, the tables are kind of spread out. Um, but everybody meets everybody here. Everybody ends up talking. And I wish I could take credit for that. But yeah, yeah, indigenesellers.com, like I said. Make a reservation or just come downtown Paso Robles, and you can get a great meal next door. And then not only that, usually if you're sitting here and having a glass of wine and having a great time, you could order at Jeffrey's next door, and they bring the food right over to you. Oh, here. damn, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah so. And you're open late. A lot of wineries close at 5, maybe right. 6. Right. I just heard you tell those ladies, you'll be here till 9. nine I was like, damn. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, in, in the alley. Yeah. yeah right. We're keeping, <laughs> keeping it real. I-N-D-I-G-E-N-E, Indigene. We heard the story behind the, the label. Your wines are just really beautiful. And it was really cool to um, finally get a chance to meet you and like talk to you. And I mean, it's uh, this was really fun for me. So right. thank you for taking the time. I know that you are a busy dude. This is a small place. We're taking up all of it, literally. So for you to do this with me, I, I know your time is valuable. So thank you very much. I appreciate it, man. That's, yeah. um, that's just Paso. Yeah, yeah. right. I mean, uh, IndigeneSellers.com. 
Tom, Jeffrey, 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 my good friend. It, it's so amazing to see the road and your your rise here because you were. I mean, you're you're a leader. You're a, a leading chef in this area now. You know, and and it was before even the restaurant and the brick and mortar happened. But but I've always you know, of course, the radio station has done like the mac and cheese fest, right. and you've just slayed at that. But then you're entering other things like paella and this and that. You're slaying at that. I remember doing how oh, we were at Epic. We did that farmhouse. We got to do that again. Memorial Day, Memorial Day and you're just like. Yeah. You know, with your your big ass paella plate, swinging out the paella. I know, and, uh, I know. We've just had so much fun. Time. So you are just one of those people to watch, and then also just to like. I always celebrate. Like your wins feel like my wins because we're tight, and you're a good uh, dude. Uh, and what's great when you have good wine and good dudes, you taste that in the wine. Like I taste that in Ray's wine. I taste that in your food. Um, my girl always says like, you know, happy food comes from a happy kitchen. It started when we were talking about eggs. She goes, happy eggs come from happy chickens. Right. You know, happy wine comes from happy cellars. Yeah. And I got a happy chef and a happy wine maker right here who who love what they do do it well and love paso so the passion comes through it's a it's a great to be in the alley being able to to have raymond here as a neighbor and just to be a part of the this downtown scene that is continuing to crush so we invite everybody looking to have a good time share some passion learn about food and wine this is a there's no better place there's no better place maybe in, in california to be able to come down and and the fact that we're in the alley, man, that's that part. Special. <laughs> it's a special time. Where wine takes you, Chefy Jeffrey Ray, Indigenae. Thanks, gentlemen. Cheers, Cheers fellas. Give me that time. We'll get by. We pass on round till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Thank you so much to both Ray of Indigenae as well as Jeffrey Jeffrey of Jeffrey's Wine Country Barbecue. Don't forget to hit up that back alley behind 12th Street for a whole Narnia of wonderment next time you are downtown Paso. And speaking of the next time you're downtown Paso, make sure to hit up PasoWine.com before your next trip so you can get the 411 on the latest, maybe your favorite winery, what they're up to. Again, PasoWine.com. I'm excited too. Next week, we're going to start a, a regular little nugget called uh, the Travel Paso Spotlight, where we spend a minute or two getting you familiar with something else going on in Paso. Yet another reason to get you here for that next visit. The Paso Market Walk is uh, the new talk of the town. We're going to check it out, take you there, see what's up. So listen for the Travel Paso Spotlight on the next episode of Where Wine Takes You from our friends at Travel Paso. Original music on the show here performed by Moonshiner Collective. The song is called Good Company. Check them out wherever you get your music, as well as moonshinercollective.com. And uh, if you appreciate their original music in the show, let them know. I'm sure the guys would love to hear from you. You can also follow Paso Wine on Instagram, at Paso Wine for the latest. You can follow me and the behind-the-scenes shenanigans that go down, like when I broke a 10-year-old library bottle. Yeah, at Lene Coloto. That was the last episode. That's a sweet pick and mess you can check it out at my instagram at adam on the air where wine takes you is executive produced by joel peterson and paso wine associate producer is jen bravo the show is recorded edited and produced by yours truly next time you're cruising the 101 on the central coast or maybe hitting up highway 46 east or west for maybe a tasting you can hear me on your radio my morning show up and adam in the morning can be heard and streamed at coast 104.5 and wine country radio my show's Liquid Lunch and the Cork Dorks can be heard and streamed at The Crush 92.5. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Next time you have a Paso wine in that glass, take a second to reflect on the place, the people, the stories behind it all. 
take it all in and enjoy where wine takes you. Cheers. And give me that sound get by pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify and work on. Give me that sound get by pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify and work on. Give me that sound get by pass on down till the job is